Friday and welcome to the Friday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host Wayne Clevenger and you've made it to Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Some of you might be out doing Black Friday shopping. Who knows? It starts so early now. Maybe you don't have to. But welcome to this version of the Daily Walk and we are getting closer to the end you've done well if you've stayed with us through the entire year you know we only have a little over a month left and you will be able to say you've made it through the entire bible so let's get with it today today we are in second corinthians chapter six through nine and paul gives us some really good information today the first thing he does is he talks about people who are not reciprocals of love. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a lot of times where we pour into people and we love on people and they aren't receptive of that. They don't seem to want that love. They don't seem to give love back. And I know that can be, uh, from experience, I know that can be kind of disheartening because you pour in, you pour in, you pour in, and it's like they want nothing from you. And that happens in the church setting as well. And I think in the church setting it's a little more disheartening because we are supposed to be love, right? And Jesus said, love each other, as I keep saying, as I have loved you. Well, Paul is pleading with the church of Corinth. He's telling them, look, we've done all, we've done all these things to show you how much we care about you. We've shown you know, we've taken beatings for you. We've faced angry mobs for you. We've worked to exhaustion for you. We've uh, had sleepless nights, gone without food to prove ourselves to you. The Holy Spirit works through us and within us. And we've acted in sincere love to you. We've spoken the word of truth to you. You've seen God's power at work through us. And yet... For whatever reason, this reciprocation of love you still withhold from us. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. That I love that statement. Because, you know, I shared with a, a person that I work with on the outside <laughs> that in 20 years of ministry, I've only been paid four years of that, and I'm currently not being paid as well. And he's like, how do you do it? And I said, 
God takes care of me. And so this statement that Paul writes, because Paul's not being paid either because he's starting these churches, is truth. I have nothing, but I have everything. I own nothing, but I have everything. And so his pleading to the church of Corinth is, look, we've spoke honestly with you. Our hearts are open to you. And there is no lack of love on our parts, but you have withheld your love from us. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. And I know in the setting my wife and I are in that a lot of times we feel that same way. You know, we pour out and pour out and and we tell people, you know, we love them, we care about them, we appreciate them. And they shrug us off. And it's people that we're, we feel very close to because we work alongside them. And they shrug us off. It's like that L word is is forbidden. And, you know, when we treat people like that, one, it shows, to me, it shows lack of trust. Two, it shows we're still hurt over something that we're holding up in the past. And the other thing I think it shows is that there's some lack of forgiveness. Now, whether it's with the person that's trying to love on you or not, doesn't necessarily mean that, but it shows that you're holding on to something that doesn't enable you to love others as Christ has loved you. And, you know, you can dispute that if you like, but if we can't be loving to each other, and it's it's a it's an agape type of love, agape that means you care for them, doesn't it's not eros love like you would have with your spouse it's not anything like that it's a true agape kind of love where you care about people and that's that's where my wife and I we're just that kind of people and Paul is that kind of people because that's what God told us to be and he's reaching out come on I've I've not withheld any kind of love from you now are you vulnerable yes because people can turn but what we've tried to show people is we're here we're not going to turn we do whatever we can to make it good for you and you know we've poured into people and seen them turn on us in a second and yet when we go into these places that was then, this is now. We don't live in our past. We only look to the future and what the Holy Spirit wants from us for our future. And so, as I tell my players, we are better than that. That being the past. And for us to be better than that, we have to let go of that. And so, Paul is just pleading with them, come on, I'm, I'm loving on you guys, come on. Give us a chance. So he switches gears real quick and goes into don't team up with unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? 
How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? So this is the extreme in the fact that we fill our hearts. This is, this is you know, we do have to have some people in our life that are unbelievers or we'll never be able to share the gospel, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. But what he's saying here, the key word is partner with, team up with, depending on what version you have. And what that means is, you know, your best friend should really be a follower of Jesus. Your best friend, the one you spend all your time with, consult with, do all your things with, should be one that has equal values, equal uh, beliefs as you. And when you follow Jesus, that means you could have a change of friends, you know. And... that might be for some something they can't do. So what's going to happen is, will light overwhelm darkness where you can lead a close friend to Jesus or will you decide that you can't and go back to living the way you used to live because your friend's more important than Jesus? And that's what the Bible is talking about when Jesus said, you think I came to bring peace, but I came to divide. And then I see someone who surprises me make a comment about, well, we got enough division in the world. We don't need that. Well, that's really, that kind of floored me, I have to admit, because... That's accepting the fact that we don't, we're going to accept the world as it is when God sent his son to change the world. And if we're supposed to be disciples of his son, then we're supposed to be there to change the world. We're not supposed to come in. If we be like Jesus, then we come in with a becoming love, not a confrontational mindset. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. And we come in and do it. It's not our words that are divisive. It's the way that we live. Jesus said, I don't judge you. You judge yourselves. Because the way we live is so full of Jesus that it's convicting that people either want to be a part of it or they don't. And they judge themselves. I want that or I don't. It's not because we're living a life that is controversial and we're saying speaking controversial words and we're saying things that are negative and we're being negative to people and we're being hateful to people that's not what jesus was about and somewhere the church has got to get that mindset that we aren't the judge and jury we don't come out and slay people that's not our job our job is to come out and be jesus like he was and make John 3.17 as big a part as John 3.16 so that we can be like Jesus where he gets in the mix of people and loves people, has compassion on them where it's moving from his innermost being. And then we start seeing people changed by the conviction of the Holy Spirit because they see Jesus in us because we speak Jesus. <laughs> 
And then through their own judgment, they come to Jesus. That's what he's talking about. And somewhere we have got to get the heart of Jesus to where we can do that. And that's what Paul, this is all about that. Let's get the heart of Jesus. Let's receive it. Let's live it. Let's not not push it away. I'm trying to show you that. Don't push it away. It's good. It's for you too. And if you've got a reason why you're pushing it away, then let's give it to the Lord. Let's nail it to the cross. Let's get rid of it. Because if you're hanging on to something, we got to get rid of it. And if that's because you're teaming up with somebody that's bringing you away from the love of Jesus, then maybe it's time to team up with somebody different. And if we're teaming up with some lifestyle that makes us angry all the time to where we're going to lash out at people because they are different than us, then maybe we need to just get closer to Jesus. So then Paul is thankful for a repentant church because he says he, he, he's like the God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us with the arrival of Titus because Titus brings some good news because Paul had written a letter to the church of reprimand because they had fallen away. They had done some things they shouldn't have done. Now, it doesn't get specific here, but he points out that it was painful and he was kind of concerned. And, you know, I was telling my wife, there's actually like four letters Paul writes, but we only have two in the Bible because some of the others were, were lost. And these passed the canon, the thing that the scrutiny that the, anything written goes through before it can be put in the Bible to show that there's no human interjection, that it was truly inspired by God. And it was worthy to be called part of the Holy Bible, not the Bible according to John Doe. And and so this is this is good because we get the fact, and he's praising them for their repentance because he gets this thing in here and the church repents because they see that they gotta be this church of love and they can't be this church that's uh, accusing and they can't do their own thing. They gotta follow the ways of the Lord himself. And so they know he knows this because they wanna help other churches. And so he's like, you know, all the other churches that I've been visiting have been taking offerings to give to the church in Jerusalem. And because you guys have come so far, I've already told them that you're going to be on board too because you said you would. So I want to make sure you're ready. And I want to make sure that you are given out of abundant joy and rich generosity because... We want you to give out of generosity. We want you to give out of abundant joy. Because when we do that, the Lord blesses that. And give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable. It is, if you give it eagerly, 
and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So he's encouraging them to give what they said they would give, but don't overgive because, you know, you, you don't want to bury yourself, right? And he's just talking about that because he wants them to give with enthusiasm. He wants them to give with uh, uh, giving heart. And he's talking about how the church over there was being tested because they're very poor and how we can rely on that. And for us today, that's like when we give to third world countries and missions, when we give to, uh, you know, where my New Start Church in Urbana, we would give once a year, we would give to our local community. Well, actually, not once a year, more than that, actually. But we would give to our local community in a giant Christmas dinner. And we would team up with one of the fire departments there that I was working with. And we would put on a giant Christmas dinner. We'd have a guest speaker from the community come in that was doing good things in the community. And the people, I mean, we had a huge dinner. And then whatever was left, we would feed one of the women's shelters. And we would have the women, of course, because that's very guarded. But these were all connections I had from life as a paramedic. That was life and as a business person when I was in business. And life as working in the fire service. So it all worked out. And God used that huge. And we were able to give to our community those that needed a, you know, a good meal. And it was huge. It was great. And it was well received, you know, and then in the the league that we had for basketball, which was a Christ Center basketball league where we got to share Jesus, and it was so awesome. We did that for 10 years, and, you know, it's taking the message of Christ uh, to families through sport. Their actual uh, mission statement is through to children through sport, but I told them they need to change it to family because we ministered to families, man. And our church grew exponentially through that. And it was awesome because we got into school through that. We got to do a lot of good things through that. But uh, we would give because, you know, we're, we're right there in an impoverished area. We would give a scholarship to every player that signed up. No questions asked. Every scholarship, every player got some sort of scholarship. We gave no full rides, but we gave some kind of scholarship to every player to give back to our community. And it was huge. It was a great thing. So here Paul is talking about let's help these people because they need help. And, you know, just give a little bit. Now, here's what I, I talk about in our church. If you're coming here and if you believe in what we do, then we should all invest in that. And we would invest in, you know, our kids' sports. We invest in our kids' school. We invest in, you know, things we like and our mowing equipment and our outdoor equipment and our vehicles and our 
day-to-day life. We invest in that without any question. And sometimes we'll spend oodles and gobs of money on what we what we enjoy. And if we are coming here to be in the presence of the Lord and we believe in that, shouldn't we invest in that? Because if we don't think we would, if we're coming and not investing in that, then why are we coming? And, you know, if we believe in our community and our kids and we're doing a building project, then shouldn't we invest in that too? And what Paul is saying, give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So it's just amazing to me where we can spend tons on things you know my wife does bible crafting and we'll get all kinds of different bible crafting things and i think about excuse me i think about things that we spend not we in particular but we will put money into but then when it comes to the church and outreach and reaching the you know reaching our youth in our community, well, I don't have money for that. But our youth are important, especially where our church is, because where our church is, the youth have nothing. So they go around and vandalize and do things that they shouldn't do. And so we're trying to do it. But yet, in our building fund for the youth center we put up, you know, it was, we had very little response to that from our own people. It was, you know, I could tell you, I won't, but I could tell you where the majority of that came from. And so Paul is really trying to get the people to say, hey, look, if you believe in it, give to it. And you don't have to give like what you don't have, but every little bit helps. And, you know, I sat in a service one time where they said, you know, if we all just gave two dollars. And there was a big crowd there, but the the point was, if we all gave two dollars, we could we could meet the expenses of this meeting right here, right now. You know, and I knew for a fact that some people there wouldn't give for whatever reason, because you know it says give according to what you have, and I happened to have just ten dollars on me that day but the lord said just give it so i gave it that's all i had but i gave it and so i just gave it you know and one of the greatest moments for me was you know i used to sit and i think well i give i gotta support my church i gotta i I give my tithes to my church my offerings to my church and one of the guys in my church said yeah but you know when i'm in those services I I feel blessed that I'm able to be in those services and that they're having those and that I was invited. So when I am at those services, I'm moved to give an offering for those services too because I'm glad they're there and I want to support them to keep them going too. So I give at those services as well. Yes, I tithe at our church, but I want to give to those too. And that hit me because that individual I know 
watches his money super tightly. And for him to give me that little tidbit was huge. And I it changed my whole perspective. I have never walked out of a service without giving again. Because I am grateful for those services. So Paul's writing in, in chapter 8 is huge to keep giving and to just give what you can. Because in chapter 9 he keeps on talking about it because they really got to help this church in Jerusalem. And here they are, you know, over in Greece and Rome trying to do things to help them. So he wants it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. And that's, you know, in Micah or Malachi, we got that. God loves a cheerful giver. And so each of us must decide in our own heart how much to give. And we, we hear that often. Pray about it. Decide what the Lord is telling you to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's Second Corinthians 9, verse 7. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And that's the truth. We get testimony after testimony of how the Lord provides at our church, not only for our church, but for our people when they faithfully continue to give, even when they don't know. And I've testified to it many times. And one of the things that we changed at our church was we became a, t a tithing giving church. And for us, that has been the greatest thing ever because we started that and we have seen the Lord multiply. We have seen the Lord provide. We have seen the Lord do great things. And Paul closes that out with, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. See, the Lord practiced hospitality the whole time Jesus walked the earth. And he just wants us to love each other, reciprocate that love for each other, and be generous to each other, practicing hospitality to all, because he will generously provide all that you need. So this weekend, as we go into our worship services all around, pray about it. And if the Lord is leading you, to some place of giving, maybe this week you can invest in what you really believe in. Have a great Friday. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, I trust in God, my